This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 45, Chakra Empowerment. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for goal-getting, fear-facing women who are kicking ass by creating change. I'm your host, Lindsay Preston. I'm a wife, mom of two, and a multi-certified life coach to women all over the world. I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me as I challenge you to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you are meant to be. Let's do this. unstoppable woman. So excited to have you on the show today. We have a treat in store. I feel like I'm always saying that because (laughs) I get so excited about all of these episodes. It takes me a while to find guests for the show. I'm very picky about who I have on the show. And so once I get somebody on an interview and we get it recorded and out into the world, it's such a fun treat for me because again, it's like these little babies that are born into the world. It's so much fun. And today's guest is no different. Her name is Lisa Erickson, and she is a chakra-based energy worker, writer, and teacher specializing in women's energetics and sexual trauma healing. She is trained in multiple energy healing modalities and is certified in both mindfulness meditation instruction and trauma sensitivity. Lisa's interest in the chakra and energy healing began over 30 years ago, and let me tell you, she does not look like she's been doing this work that long. And she began meditating as a part of a yoga class, and she just really got into meditation while she was an executive in New York City, and then she began to have her own practice, and she has been doing energy healing training into private session work um, for many, many years now. I'm thrilled to have her on the show today. She just released a book called Chakra Empowerment for Women. This is a self-guided techniques for healing trauma, owning your power, and finding overall wellness. I have been on the hunt for a chakra expert on my show and to partner with for years now. I teach a little bit of chakra work in one of my courses called Become Authentically Awesome. And many of my clients say, oh my gosh, Lindsay, I loved that little work we did together. I wish there was someone I could go to for more work. And so now I have somebody and it's Lisa. Um, Again, I really have to seek out these people and find kind of the diamond in the rough. And Lisa is amazing. She drops so many bombshells on this interview. We cover so much in just 30 minutes. Oh my goodness gracious. We talk about what chakras are if you're a newbie here and kind of the different levels of chakras or the different um, ones that are in within your body. And then we go deeper dive of how women's chakras are different than men's and how menstruation and pregnancy and postpartum and when we're menopausal and how that changes our chakras and how sexual abuse or just abuse in general or trauma can affect our bodies and so much goodness in this one. Oh my gosh. 
I can't wait to share it with you. So without further ado, here is my interview with Lisa. Lisa, thank you so much for joining all of us on the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast. I am thrilled to have you. I have been looking for a chakra expert for years now, years. And when I saw your information and I just read about you and I felt energetically some fun stuff off of you, I was like, oh, I have to have her on the show. So I'm thrilled you're here. Thank you. Well, and I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Lindsay. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with the basics, Lisa. Now, many of my clients know what chakras are because we include some of that work as we work together, but not everybody may know what chakras are. So can you kind of tell us what they are and then what are the benefits of doing some chakra work? Yeah, the chakras are energy centers and it's like they're organs in our energy anatomy, just like in our physical anatomy, we have a heart and a stomach and they each have a different function. In our energy body, our chakras are the main energy centers, and then there's channels that run through them and connect them. And they each tie, they each have a different function. They each tie to parts of our physical body and our physical anatomy for healing, physical healing. And they also tie to different aspects of our psyche, different emotions, different states of mind, different vibrations, you could call them. And so we can really work with our chakras both for physical healing for personal transformation, for spiritual growth. They're kind of this middle level from which you can access the whole spectrum of mind, body, spirit activity. Yeah. I always tell my clients when we introduce chakras, I say, okay, I know this is going to sound really woo-woo, but I promise this stuff works. And I don't know how it works or why it works, but just tapping into these energy centers in our body And knowing what, how to tap into them and then what can happen when you tap into them is just so powerful. So Lisa, when were you first introduced to chakra work? I was introduced to the chakras over 30 years ago now. I was in my 20s and I was working in technology in New York City and I was having a lot of stress headaches, stress stomach aches, and a friend recommended a meditation class. And it just happened to be a chakra meditation class, not that common in those days. And it really launched me into what initially was kind of a meditation path. Eventually, I veered into studying energy healing, and I changed careers to make that my focus. And I've had a few milestones along the way that triggered me to really get into women's health and understanding women's energy bodies as well as trauma healing. Yeah. So I want to touch on that, Lisa. When I was reading your story, you said after you gave birth, you Mm -hmm. found that your energy centers changed or your chakra work or something like that changed. Can you kind of tell us about that? And how did you know that? Well, I think because I had already been meditating for like 15 years at that point, I really felt shifts in my energy body that maybe not everyone would notice, right? And you're so focused post-birth on just physical healing, right? And fatigue. I mean, you're so overwhelmed. But for me, I my meditation shifted when I could fit them in, which was not all that often. And I really felt like I just couldn't get my what's called the kundalini, the energy, one of the energies that moves through the chakras, moving again. And I was really having difficulty balancing my own energetic needs with my new daughters. And so it really triggered me to do research specifically on women's energy bodies. And I found a lot of information that I hadn't really known about, a lot more writings and teachings on the differences between men and women's energy, and especially how we're impacted post-birth, pregnancy, even during menstruation each month, menopause. And I think knowing about these things is actually really empowering. Yeah. And I can't wait to dig deeper into all those things in a bit. 
Now you call your work women's energetics. So what is this? Tell us more. It really is that focus on specifically what are the unique ways that a woman might want to work with the chakras. And I think there's a couple different aspects to that. One is the cycles I was talking about. You know, we physically have these cycles that are and phases of our life that are very different from men, right? We have menstruation every month. We have pregnancy potentially if we choose to have children. We have menopause. And while men also have a lot of hormonal transits in their life, they're not as pronounced as ours. And just as we have these cycles and phases physically, we have them energetically as well. So information on that is really part of what's under women's energetics. And then I think the other piece of it is to the extent that women have particular emotional things that we work with, that some things are different for women and men, especially the kind of conditioning that we receive, which I think is still very gendered. We might want to work with our chakras on that psychological level, specifically related to some of our conditioning, especially around boundaries. And I think I do a lot of work with boundaries for that reason. Ooh, I love that, Lisa. Yeah. That's something I didn't know you did. Yeah. 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 Well, because, uh, you know, the main difference technically, and I don't know how tech, we probably don't want to get too technical, but women are really anchored in the second chakra and it's, there's a spectrum. Like when we talk about people trans and pangendered, and I've worked with a lot of different individuals, it's a spectrum. So it's not completely male, female, black and white, you know, binary. Uh, But in general, women's energy bodies are more receptive. We're anchored in the second chakra, which is a receptive chakra. We're more empathic. In other words, we by default tend to absorb other people's emotions as our own sometimes have difficulty separating them out from our own and that impacts you know how we relate to ourselves and others and so working with that energetically in addition to psychologically can be really helpful yeah and you bring up something that i feel like we need to explain for anyone who's new out there so we talk about chakras and why they're important and how you can benefit from them but lisa can you kind of break down the different chakras real quick yeah i mean there are different mappings with different numbers but the one that is the most common here in the west and that most people may have seen a picture of if they take yoga on their yoga studio wall is a seven chakra system that there's seven main energy centers that span from our tailbone, which is the first chakra, all the way up to the crown of our head. And each of those seven is linked to different psychological functions and different organs and glands in our body as well. I don't know if you want me to walk through all seven or just leave it at that. Yeah. So we've got seven. So, and you said women mostly, what was it? Stay in the second chakra? Well, we're anchored there. So it is about a balance and flow between all seven of them for both men and women. But men tend to be anchored in the first chakra, which is the traditional teaching that everyone is anchored there. And of course, it was really what happened is teachings that were more relevant to men kind of traveled to the West as if they were relevant to everyone, which of course happened in a lot of different fields. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that, that chakra tends to, is very fixed. It's the earth element. It's very, it's our grounding. It's our connection to our body. So men have a tendency that if they're focusing energetically, they need more fluidity right? Not a surprise. Their, their risk would be becoming too rigid mm-hmm. <laughs> on many levels. Yeah. Whereas women tend to be anchored in the second chakra, the energy is already pulled there. That does tie to our womb. So, you know, these cliches of kind of womb power and things like that, that's where it comes from in other traditions. And that is a very fluid chakra, but it's also a very absorbent empathic chakra. So we tend to need to focus more on grounding and on boundaries. 
And that, that's kind of the quick and dirty on the differences in the, in the two types of energy bodies. Yeah. Already, I'm fascinated. So good. So based on these differences, how do you recommend a woman work differently with her energy body, particularly with her chakras versus a man? The first thing I usually focus on with most women is really that sense of getting grounded in the body and focusing on where you feel different emotions in your body. And that's really to get this sense of grounding and slowing things down emotionally. So you can really begin to figure out what's me and what's other people. Like if you're in a situation during the day that triggers anxiety, slowing it down, going, where do you feel that anxiety in your body and kind of tracking the situation? Like when did the anxiety start? And you can start to figure out what's a trigger. Where is that kind of trigger? Where does it tie to in your body? How can you work with it with some breath work, some chakra work, or what is someone else's emotions that you've picked up uh, that you really absorbed and then you took it on as if it was your own? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's prevalent in a lot of situations. So that's one of the first things that I focus on. And then we're focusing on boundaries, which is two chakras in particular, the first and the third chakra, learning to focus in those two chakras and imagine they're creating like a shield around you is a powerful tool to use to begin to build that sense of having a boundary. Yeah. You know, Lisa, I knew about kind of creating what what I call a bubble around you. Mm -hmm. And I, I've known about kind of feeling in your body when you feel anxiety, but I've never learned about tying it into your chakras. Yeah. That's powerful. Really powerful. Yeah, when you feel something, you know, I really, a lot of chakra work, I kind of consider it like mindfulness 2.0, right? Like mm-hmm. mindfulness 1.0 is finding it in your body. Where do you feel it and learning to be present with it? And then the chakras, you're taking it to another level. You're saying, okay, I can shift this. I can dissolve that energy where I feel it. I can focus on a chakra that represents a counter energy and shift into that. I want a feeling of calmness, a feeling of confidence. So that's kind of, you know, mindfulness 2.0. Yeah. And even just as you're talking through this and saying that women's power can be more in that second chakra, which is around the womb, I can already feel that chakra activating inside of me and thinking, wow, this is powerful Um, to kind of come to a powerful place as a woman versus that grounded root chakra, right? Of, oh, let me kind of drive forward as a man. Man, that's cool. Really cool. Well, on that note, talking about feminine power, this is something that's really prevalent now, or just learning to tap into our feminine energy or the rise of the divine feminine is something else that's out there. So kind of tell us how can we tap more into that um, using our chakras? You gave us some stuff, but give us a little more. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the conditioning that we receive. And it's partially about this moment in history that we're in. We focused for several decades now on giving women, all of us, access to power in the social realm, at work, right, in society, in culture, in our relationships. But it's more externally focused. But it still was kind of on male terms. It was still defining power in terms of, you could say, root chakra power, (laughs) material power in the world. And what we really need to do now is own that everyone, all of these traits that have been associated with the feminine chakras, which is intuition, which is emotion, which is sensuality, which is nurturing, that those are powerful. They don't need to be denigrated and we should own them as our power. And honestly, men should too, because we're all whole body beings, right? We're all Mm -hmm. holistic. We we all want to own all of that. 
So I think it's about for a lot of women looking at the conditioning that they have around their own power and what they rate as positive versus negative and what they define as feminine versus masculine. Do they view some of their own power as a weakness, right? Like being uh, nurturing or um, do they denigrate sexual energy? Do they have shame around sexual energy? Things like that. There's a lot of different components to it, but sort of unearthing all of that. I think on the chakra level, then it's really about focusing in on all of the energies of all of the chakras, but especially the second, the pelvic chakra, the heart and the third eye, which are the three feminine or yin chakras and learning to really own those abilities. Man, I am like spinning over here, Lisa, just thinking about this. I love how you said earlier, this is mindfulness 2.0. And it's so true because the past year or so, I've been doing a lot of reading on the patriarchy and um, owning your, your feminine power and all this. And so that's been very mind blowing in my head. Mm-hmm. But now thinking about it, wow, I can incorporate this in my body through chakra work is so exciting to think about. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And it's really like how you react in situations, right? Do you fall into people pleasing, right? Do Were you conditioned to, you know, a lot of, uh, I, I have two of my three children are 13 year old boy, girl twins. So it's interesting to me just to see just how gendered our conditioning still is even now, even when we're trying for it not to be, right? And so we're, do you still carry conditioning around people pleasing that as a girl or a woman, you're responsible for everyone's emotions and you're responsible for smoothing everything out? Uh, do you uh, still carry fear around expressing your anger or expressing yourself in an assertive way because it's not feminine or you won't be liked? you know, these kinds of things. And we store those feelings in our body. So when you start noticing this conditioning, holding you back, you can really work with where do I feel it in my body and bring forward the chakra energies to counter that and and reprogram, reprogram the way that you carry yourself in the world. Yeah. So powerful. Well, I want to go back to something you said earlier and in that we have energetic shifts when we are going through menstruation, pregnancy, or menopause? What are these shifts, Lisa? Well, menstruation, it really mirrors our hormonal shifts. Science has now shown that at the peak of ovulation, we actually do appear more charismatic to others. Our body emits pheromones, right? And it all has to do with biology and uh, biological attraction. But at an energy level, our, our energy, our sacral chakra sort of waxes and wanes with our cycle as well. And it's really a kind of maximum emanating power around ovulation and then around menstruation and especially the few days before, it's more inward pulling and contemplative. And at that time, our intuition, our ability to contemplate something in our life that we're trying to resolve or make a decision is at its most sensitive. And at our peak of ovulation, our outward facing self is actually the most empowered. You can't always arrange your life around that, but even just knowing about it and giving yourself extra time to work things out or giving yourself more solitude during menstruation, if you can, and, uh, you know, kind of drawing on uh, extra, extra emanating power when you're out there in the world, when you need it can be really helpful. So I think just beginning to watch this cycle, a lot of women find it's tremendously helpful to use in their life. It's like monitoring the surf, like when the surf is up and when the surf is down and how do you correspond to that? 
Yeah. I've been doing this in my own life for just about a year or so now. Um, and especially as an entrepreneur, because, you know, I can two two things with that. I really can control my schedule mm-hmm. and two, um, you know, I want to follow my energetic pulls in that way. Mm-hmm. It's been very powerful too. And two, to just release the conditioning, like you said, Lisa, of, you know, us having to work like a man of go, 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 do, 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 do. That is not how women work. We need those kind of ups and downs, like you said. Um, and it's been, it's just been so freeing. But again, I'm so excited to think, wow, I can tie my chakras to this. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really like falling into this pattern of, okay, surge forward, then reflect and refine, surge forward, reflect and refine, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of how we tend to work when we're creating things in tune with this cycle. Um, And then pregnancy is a time in which our second chakra is becoming more and more open. It's like the spiritual doorway uh, component to our body being a physical doorway. And you can open that doorway without having a physical child, but the experience of pregnancy and birthing a physical child does open it, even if you're not trying to do so. (laughs) So it often opens up new creative doorways in a woman if she's open to it. It can also trigger old emotional wounds or trauma that in the years following childbirth need to be addressed and healed for someone to move forward. So it can have a lot of different impacts. And then post-pregnancy, as I talked about, you you have these energy shifts going on, and you also now have an energy line to your child. And we have to learn to manage that. And I think we all instinctively know that, but for some women working with their chakras in that regard can be helpful in that transit. Yeah. Again, I feel like this is a story of my life. I, I experienced that with pregnancy with my son because with my daughter, um, after that I had a horrible divorce and all that. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had healed some of that stuff, but when I was pregnant with him, it brought back all these memories of my pregnancy with her and how mm-hmm. I had forgotten kind of some of the hardships that went through it. Um, and so that was a lot of healing work I had to do after I birthed him. So yeah, I'm, I can totally relate to that. Yeah. It's so interesting because the second chakra is tied to our emotions. So anything we've had to push down tends to get released, uh, it tends to get brought up uh, through pregnancy. So, and then that same thing happens again at perimenopause because we experience these surges of energy in our second chakra as our cycles becoming irregular but it's really an opportunity for rebirth, like menopause, as we let go of our physical cycle, we can tap into our energy body and our, and our spirit in an even deeper level if we approach it that way, if we really lean into the transformation. And there's a real energetic component to that process as well. Yeah. You know, Lisa, I'm thinking about, I always say that hormones are like fuel to a fire of something that was already burning inside of you. And now as you're talking about this chakra stuff, and especially during our cycles and pregnancy and postpartum and menopause, I'm really thinking my theory is true mm-hmm. of it opens those chakras and says, this is what you need to deal with. What would you say to that, Lisa? Do you agree? I absolutely agree. And the interesting thing is in Ayurvedic medicine, which is, you know, the ancient, ancient Indian medicine that ties into the chakras, each chakra is linked to a gland. And this second chakra is linked to our ovaries, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, it really is that these hormonal cycles that define our lives in certain ways physically, they are also really refined in a very refined way linked to our energy. It's, it's all bundled up. So you can view it kind of through the hormonal lens or through the chakra lens and you come to the same place. Yeah. And it makes sense as the work I've done in my life. You know, I used to have these huge mood swings 
when mm. I would have my period. And as I've done this work, I don't have that anymore. Um, and because I've healed that work. So I always tell my clients that too, is that if you're moody, you can absolutely heal that doing mindset work. But now that this, this whole shocker world, you're opening our eyes, Lisa. It's so great. I do want to go back to something you said earlier and that we have this energetic connection to our kids, which is something if you've, if you're a mother, you know that, but how can we kind of cultivate that more consciously? Well, you know, there's a few different levels to this. One is we have this energy line to birth children that it really mirrors the umbilical cord from our second chakra to their navel chakra. And ideally as they grow, it is becoming more and more dormant, right? They're becoming energetically more and more independent from us, just like they're becoming psychologically more and more independent. So from an energetic health perspective for both us and our children, it's partially about allowing that to happen, right? And if we stop it, it's not good for us or them if we cling too much, right? And in in some cases, some of us may experience this with our adult mothers feeling like they never allowed that line to go dormant and allowed us to become completely energetically independent. So it's really about pacing. I think on the other hand, we could go the other way. And if we don't um, really share our energy with our children, especially in their younger years in the way that they they need it, that can be a problem for both us and them. So it's really just about recognizing the developmental milestones and the this energy connection. And also it's about self-care, understanding that we can close this line when we need to rejuvenate, when our children are safe, when they're with someone else, when they're being cared for or they're asleep, whatever, we can really close this line and shut down the worrying <laughs> and just really rejuvenate our energy body. And we need to do that. And we have a right to do that. Yeah. Again, those boundaries. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. A couple more questions for you, Lisa. I know you work with a lot of people who have had sexual trauma. So how does sexual trauma or just trauma in general impact our energy body? Yeah. I mean, there's a few different ways it can impact us, but the most the one that is the most common is some level of disassociation, especially sexual trauma, since the body was the site of the trauma, right? And what I mean by disassociation is developing some patterns of kind of not feeling fully connected to the body, how that reflects energetically is not being fully anchored in that first and second chakra, which means a lot of those those functions might be shut down to some extent. So it means maybe not having a healthy relationship to the body that can reflect in eating disorders or addiction issues, or it might be subtler. It might be someone who is always in their head and can never really be present to their surroundings, always going a million miles a minute. And their mind is just always so busy and buzzing that they can't really feel, they can't connect emotionally with people, they can't relax. They can't experience their senses even in a mindful way, which generates a lot of stress. And so there's, there's different levels and types of disassociation. Either way, it's really about facing the underlying fear that is the root of that initial pattern. The fear is being completely in my body and present is too painful, right? Which when someone was abused as a child or during an assault episode, it's a survival mechanism to disconnect from the body. But then when it becomes a habit, so it was a good, it got someone through a traumatic situation, right? But then when it becomes a habit in regular life, it becomes limiting. And we have to reprogram that habit, face the underlying fear so that someone knows I can be present with discomfort. 
I can be present in an uncomfortable situation. I can be present in my body even when there is uncomfortable physical sensations if needed, you know, going to the doctor, et cetera. And it's okay. I'm resilient. It will come and go. And so that really is root chakra, a lot of root chakra work. Um, then, of course, with sexual trauma, there are often patterns of shame. Those often impact the second chakra that we need to work and heal. Patterns of secrecy, if someone has not been able to tell anyone, and when we're holding a big secret like that, it often makes us feel isolated from others, even if we're very social, because there's always a part of us held back. So learning to work through that is kind of a throat chakra. Relationship issues, feelings of unworthiness. So it really is individual, um, but it does map to the different chakras. And that's why for some people, for some sexual trauma survivors, chakra work is the most palatable to them because it's non-invasive. It's not as threatening. Yeah. In regards to what? Talk therapy? Well, somatic work, body work, right? Mm -hmm. Which often recommended or talk therapy in terms of being alone in a room with someone, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, cause I work mostly remotely or you, you know, you can work on your own with the chakras. I do believe most people who are healing from really difficult sexual trauma need a combination of modalities. And usually talk therapy is going to be a part of that at some point. But I've also worked with a lot of people that have done talk therapy. They feel like they understand their history. Now what they need is, you know, how do I reprogram myself? How do I change my reactions, right? I understand why I am the way I am, but that hasn't helped me change. And chakra work is just one of many sets of tools that you might use to do that. Yeah, especially to incorporate the body. Yeah. I think. Because I do a lot of work with clients too, Lisa, who have done talk therapy. And then they're like, well, I, like you said, I understand the history. I know why it's there. I've talked about it enough. So we do some kind of mind work to heal it. But yep. the chakra work has taken it to, an, again, a whole nother level, getting that body involved. I just finished a book called The Body Keeps Score. Have you heard of it, Lisa? Yes. Yes. Um, and so I, I loved the body incorporation in that book too, of how we need to do that. So it's great. Um, question for you. You talk a lot about trauma sensitivity. What is this and why is this important? This really is for people like you and me, anyone working with clients, learning how to work in a way that doesn't re-traumatize people accidentally, right? I think there's been a growing awareness, especially in the yoga community, meditation community, that sometimes things that we do that we feel are relaxing may actually be triggering for someone, right? Like dim lighting or in yoga or physical uh, settings, doing adjustments without asking permission, things like this. And so really what I meant by that trauma sensitivity is learning how to work in such a way where you are maximizing a sense of partnership, a sense of choice, that if you're doing energy healing work, there's a lot of, you know, shamanic energy healing where it's like you start this whole process and you're often taught you should never stop the process in the middle. But I feel with trauma survivors, no, you always have to say you can stop this whenever you want and things like that. And, and I work with this organization called the Breathe Network that is really dedicated to holistic resources for holistic healing for sexual trauma survivors in particular. And they're doing a lot of research and a lot of training on what it means to be trauma sensitive in a client practice. Yeah, that's great. What is, what do you define trauma as Lisa? Yeah, well, that's a big question. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> really, I, I stick to kind of the general psychological um, definition of anything that we have difficulty integrating into our psyche, right? Like we haven't been able to fully integrate it. We can have small traumas in our life that a week or two later, we were able to integrate. You know, you get into a car accident, it's a fender bender, fender bender. <laughs> you're really shaken, but it's not life threatening, but you're really shaken, maybe for several days, right? But over time, you are able to integrate that experience. Usually you go over it many times in your mind. You're able to remember it. You talk it through with people. You're able to come to terms with it and you're not afraid to drive again, right? But a major car accident may cause someone to just be terrified of driving for years, right? They're never able to integrate what happened and uh, face all of the emotions involved in order to work, work through it and come out the other side with a sense of resilience. So that's kind of the difference. Yeah. And I think it can be the stories that go on in your head over and over again. That's a good sign that you haven't integrated it. Would you agree? Yeah. Or the stories you're avoiding. So it can go either way depending on your nature, right? The things you're pushing away. Yeah. And now we understand it isn't always our own trauma. Like we understand there's ancestral and generational trauma sometimes that you can pick up from your family, from your parents or secondary trauma, trauma you witness, you know, in war zones and uh, um, emergency care workers. There's a lot of concern right now that healthcare workers are going to be traumatized by what they're having to deal with right now um, Mm -hmm. by witnessing it, right? So there's levels and kinds of ways we can be trauma and different ways to work through it. Yeah. You know, I was just talking to a client about this of when she was a kid, she overheard a story about one of her neighbors drowning and she was talking to me. She's like, I feel like I have trauma from that, even just hearing the story. And I feel that way too. When I hear some people's stories, especially just in a personal setting, and they'll just throw something out at me without me being prepared. I'm like, wow, I feel like I have trauma off of that. Um, and luckily I know how to integrate that stuff. But it, yeah, I mean, I can, I love that definition you have of the integration of that. You yeah. just can't integrate it. Got it. Okay, cool. For caretakers, I mean, for all of us working with people, that's exactly right. We have to know our own limits and give ourselves the time and space to process the trauma that we hear about because you can develop compassion fatigue or, you know, issues with that, taking that trauma into our own bodies. Yeah. And that goes back to, that's why boundaries and self-care are so important Yeah, because otherwise so many of us are so empathetic that we're just soaking that stuff in all the time. I know that's been huge in my world. So yeah, yeah, Lisa, well, so much goodness today. Oh my goodness. Can you tell us about your book? and where we can find it and where we can connect with you? Yes, the book is called Chakra Empowerment for Women. And it is available, you know, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound, the publisher. And my website, the book website is Chakra Empowerment for Women. So there's some additional resources related to the book there, including some recordings of some of the exercises in the book. And then my client site is Enlightened Energetics. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Chakra Empowerment and Twitter as Mommy Mystic. So I think that's all the different places. (laughs) Love it. And I can't wait to get my hands on your book. I can see it being one that I send to clients all the time. So so. that's great to hear. Yeah. Thank you again, Lisa. Thank you. And thank you for your own work in the world. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Become an Unstoppable Woman. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you get new episodes every Monday. And I'd love it if you left a review for the show too, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you want even more from the show, come join the conversation online in my community. 
Each week we break down the episode and you have a private space to ask your questions. To join, go to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash community. And if you feel like you're really ready to change your life, let's work together in my coaching programs. I have a free assessment that's the first step to seeing if we're a good fit. Just go to lindsayepreston.com forward slash assessment to take it now. Thanks again for tuning into the show today. I'm so grateful you're here and I'll see you next time. But until we meet again, remember my friend, you're only as unstoppable as you believe you can be. So believe in yourself. You got this.